0: Welcome to Consumed, the podcast that features casual conversations with the people behind what we eat and drink. I'm Jamie Lewis, and I just discovered that Consumed hit the top 40 of food and wine podcasts in the US this past year. Top 40. Mind blown. I think you're going to like this ninth season of the Consumed podcast. I interviewed a couple chefs, a brewer, knife designers, a cheese purveyor, produce manager, fitness instructor, farmer advocate, religion professor, singer-songwriter, wine historian, and a pizza don. From Paso Robles to Ventura, they told me the story behind the story of what they do and why. Before we get into it, let me give a quick shout out to a couple of key sponsors who make this podcast tick. One is Santa Maria wine grower James Onaveros with Ranchos de Onaveros Wines. In April, James's label Native 9 was named among Wine and Spirits magazine's best Pinot Noir of the year in the country. I mean, I'm not surprised, but still, that's a really big deal. To taste those pinos, head to the station in Los Alamos, where you'll find the most recent wines from Rancho de as well as tasty grub from Cisco Kid Catering, like classic Santa Maria-style tri-tip, barbecue plates, burgers, pork belly tacos, plus beer, kombucha, even avocado toast. Hang out in Los Alamos, enjoy James's wines, and soak up the best of a Central Coast summer. Many thanks to Ranchos de Onaveros and James for his support of this podcast and his commitment to the growth of the local wine industry. For more information about Ranchos de Onavero's wines, visit ranchosdeoniveros.com. I'm also grateful for support from Slow Life magazine, which focuses exclusively on the perks of living in San Luis Obispo, California. Keep an eye out for my next food column in the magazine. I did something a little different this time, and I asked a few kids about their favorite dishes and restaurants in town. I was rather shocked by their answers, and I can't wait for you to read all about it. Look for the June issue on newsstands at Boo Boo Records and Barnes & Noble or subscribe at slowlifemagazine.com. Jeff and Lindsay Jackson opened the Range Restaurant in Santa Margarita in the mid-2000s, and since then, it's become one of my all-time favorite places to dine out. The range has this wonderful combination of highfalutin and honky-tonk that can only be experienced to understand. The food is like what you'd find in a good French bistro, but then you look up at the walls and you see these LPs of Dolly Parton and Hank Williams hanging there. It's confusing in the best possible way. Even better, one of their daughters, Jade Jackson, is a signed and touring musician, singer, and songwriter that more than one major publication has called Country Rock's Next Big Thing. Have a listen on letsgetconsumed.com at this episode's show notes. When she's not touring, she's working at the restaurant with her dad, mom, and brother Shane, who studied at the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York. Jeff and Lindsay's other daughter, Audrey, studies art and makes music in Pasadena, California. The Jackson family also owns Rosalina, a cantina right down the street in Santa Margarita. We talked about music, farm food, Jeff and Lindsay's love for old things and old ways, and leaving a legacy. Here are Jeff, Lindsay, and Jade Jackson. So, Jeff, Lindsay, Jay, Jackson, it's so cool to be with you here in the dining room at The Range, which we haven't been in for such a long time. Thanks for letting me come this afternoon. Um, Let's, I just wanted to start with asking about Jeff and Lindsay, you know, what was it like growing up? Where did you grow up? Let's start there.
1: I grew up in Morro Bay. Are you local? Yeah. And then I went down to San Diego after high school and met Jeff in Tijuana, in Tijuana. In Tijuana,
2: yeah. I grew up in San Diego, um, in Spring Valley, which is about 15 minutes from the border, so we spent most of our time and money in Tijuana <laughs> as, as a youth.
0: Where was it? Do you remember exactly? Were you in a bar? I'm just guessing. It was the Ria
2: Sorry. Rita. Yeah. The Ria Rita? She, yeah. Jade wrote a song about it.
3: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's so cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's on one of my my first records I produced in high school that sort of disappeared after I got a record label, but... Maybe it'll come back to the surface at some point.
0: Yeah, right on. So then you came back up here. You, you, you stole Jeff away from San Diego.
1: Yeah, we didn't really want the kids to grow up when our son was about four, about to go into kindergarten. We just wanted to live somewhere not so crowded. Mm-hmm. And we went all the way up to Oregon. Jeff applied every, at every nice place there was, restaurants and hotels. Mm-hmm. And he actually got hired by a friend of mine at the Inn at Morro Bay, so we ended up right back here where I came from.
0: Right on. Okay. How About how old were you when you started at the Inn at Morro Bay?
2: I was about 30.
0: Okay. I, so you uh, 28. Okay. So. so you'd been working in kitchens already all that time.
2: I've been working in kitchens since I was 19, yeah.
0: Wow. How did you start? Where were you in the kitchen? Um,
2: well, I started in the Army, actually. I went to the Army cooking school, and I was in the infantry. And I'm in the Army, I was in the infantry, but I was a cook in the infantry, so it was really... Uh, we, we cooked when we were back, but we were in the field. We cooked like differently, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. for, for the field. And then we'd come back uh, to Garrison, and then we, you know, um, it was good food. I, I know people always talk about like the food's not good in the service, but I, it was better than I had as a child, that was for sure. Yeah. You know?
0: What was eating like as a child?
2: Uh, it was from the farm, you know, yeah. rabbit and bluegill, and bullheads, and, you know, I mean, I'm <laughs> straight oaky farm kind of life. <laughs> I come from Okie Stock, too. Well,
0: from Kansas, but
2: may as well be. Collard greens, mustard greens, (laughs) beet greens. I mean, all of it, Were your
0: parents farmers?
2: My dad was, yeah. He's from Mississippi, and he was a farmer. And he basically made his own little Mississippi right in Spring Valley, where I grew up. But Hmm. my mom's from Mexico, and she's a very good cook. And so I was surrounded by uh, good food, uh, even was farm food, you know. Farm to table, they call it now, but back then it was just survival. Yeah. You know? <clears throat>
0: yeah, right on. Did you learn a lot from your mom, do you feel
2: like? Yeah, I learned a lot, yeah, from both of them. And, and I got, I mean, I just, that's where, that's where I learned everything. I still call her, you know, we have a Rosalina across the street. and yes. I still, Ma, how did you make that one salsa, you know, whatever. And she's, oh, you know, you got, a, you got the wrong chili or something, you know what I mean? But yeah, uh, but yeah I, 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 I rely on her a lot.
0: That's very cool. I don't mean to jump ahead, but you mentioned Rosalina. That When did that all come about? When did you buy it and start it?
2: Uh, it was on, uh, well, we the building, we got the building in, um, was it, St. Patrick's Day of? What? 17. Of 17, and then it took us about a year and a half to build a kitchen. It takes a long time with county and whatnot. And, yeah, right. But it's finally, it's rolling now in a... Uh, now the kitchen's too small for the amount of people that we're doing, you know, at the So time. it's it's yeah, being it's, successful. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. We've been really lucky. What's what would you say is the difference between this business you know, the idea for the range versus Rosalina if you were telling somebody who
2: didn't know? Well the range is, is my dad and uh, it's Mississippi, it's it's uh, old school country, it's 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 southern. And, and, and Rosalina is more of a Mexican flair, more of a, a barrio flair, like a Spring Valley kind of gangbang kind of... It's just, uh, it's my life, basically. This mm-hmm. is half of my life, and that's the other half of my life. So, yeah. so um, the, it was like Spring Valley's like the hood, and so I understand that, and I understand being on the farm as well, you know. So, it's like, mm-hmm. we were in a farm in the hood, so it, it's just really different. Yeah, you
0: know? yeah. Did you, uh, Lindsay, did you always know that you are going to be working in restaurants?
1: No, actually, I grew up. Spent a lot of my time in the Hofbrow, which was the Van Beerdens were good, close family friends of mine. So it was funny just to marry him and then just get right back into (laughs) that. And we're back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know how to cook or anything. I just I just work here. Yeah. What about at home? Um, No, actually, when um, Jeff and I were married, um, I was a vegetarian, and once in a while I tried to cook for him, and he usually wasn't hungry. So I like (laughs) stopped wasting my time.
0: So I made food not. for the kids. That was about it. Yeah. Um, so starting this place... Well, no, backing up. So I know that you, in at Morro Bay, and you were really a coastal family. I mean, you, Jade, you were probably born on the coast, right?
3: I actually spent my first two years in Spring Valley. We lived mm-hmm. in a little, like... condo right next to my grandparents' house Mm -hmm. on the farm. So I grew up, my first two years of life were on that farm. And then my brother was four at the time. And I think, Dad, you heard like gunshots or something down the street. So then we, Mm -hmm. you know, they moved us here. Or they were looking for somewhere else other than Spring Valley. My grandparents' farm, um, I'm sure it was different, Dad, when you were a kid. But now if you visit it or before they sold it, it was like this, you know, three acre Farm in surrounded by the ghetto, like you couldn't go on walks, and it was just pretty dangerous, I that's think. So
2: unusual,
1: that's really <laughs> interesting. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's about the way it is. Yeah, yeah.
1: well, when they bought it, it was kind of like this, like horse country, yeah, and then it just filled in, got to be like real city like. And yeah.
2: well, money pushes uh poverty inward, money pushed it from the coast and pushed the poverty inward, and inward, and inward, and, mm-hmm. and that's just the way it works, even here, yeah, you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, Cali- that's kind of a California story, too. Just a lot of um, a lot of change. But then the fact that you have this farm that's not budging, it just kind of all encroaches around it. Um, so you came to the coast, and at a certain point, you left in at Morro Bay to go where?
2: Uh, I left to be the chef at uh, Shore Cliffs, which is now the... Uh, well,
1: shouldn't you tell me about Laurent? Well... Well,
2: um, well. at first, I, I, after I left the in- at Morro Bay, I, I, I took the chef job at uh, the Shore Cliffs, which is in Pismo. Yeah. And then I um, said, Fontana Inn now. Yes. And that was my first chef job. So, of course, I, I was sous chef at the Inn at Morro Bay. Uh, I got hired by Laurent, uh, Bistro Laurent in Paso right. Robles, when I was at the Inn at Morro Bay. But he left to start his own restaurant, and I knew I was going to be his sous chef. But I took another job, at least to be chef for a little while. Mm-hmm. And... Um, <clears throat> at, at the Shore Cliffs, and from there, then Laurent the opened, and then I jumped over to Paso Robles, mm-hmm. for and I worked with him for the first two years that he was open.
0: Okay, so there's a big difference. That I mean, there's there's a big difference between cooking in the army and then going to Inn at Morro Bay, meeting someone like Laurent. What was he an inspiration to you? Because uh, the food that you serve here definitely has like a, there's a there's a
2: fine dining element to it Well oh, we had the same idols I, I before I moved here I'd, I, I had worked at the in Coronado all over, I did a three-year apprenticeship in San Diego I worked at the Hotel Del Coronado I looked worked at the Meridian Hotel um, for two years and I got to work in a restaurant called Marius mm. where everything that came in was still alive everything the shrimp were still alive I mean it was like a I mean I had cooked before for about you know six or seven years before that but I had never seen anything like that. And I don't know that those kind of restaurants even survive anymore. That's mm. dinosaur because it's just the, the overhead is so so high. It's just impossible. You know, I mean, you'd have to charge a, a very a high dollar for the, per plate to, to survive. And there was seven of us, but, I mean, we, we did five courses. Everybody got five courses. So mm. even if you only did 70 people, that was 350 plates, and everything was perfect. I mean, just... Yeah. So th- once I left there, I came up here and I met Laurent, and um, and he got to work for Michel uh, Gerard, which is like one of my idols from France, and, and uh, so we hit it right off. And mm-hmm. all um, because it was all, the uh, hotels, all French. No, one, no one spoke English in there. All the chefs were French, you know, mm-hmm. young kids, and they were way better than me, <clears throat> just because they were smacked with it every day, you know. And <laughs> so I just absorbed it. I was like a sponge and. It was the best thing that ever happened in my life, in my career, anyway. Right, you know.
0: right. It makes sense. We've uh, my family has always said, "I just love this restaurant so much. It's so unique and so um, intimate." <clears throat> but we've always said that this kind of, if I, if somebody says, well, "What's it like?" I say, "It's like a Parisian bistro in Bakersfield. Like it's
2: pretty. <laughs> that's pretty close." Um, yeah, it's redneck French fusion. That's what we call it. You know. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm, I'm doing the same technique that we're doing in a French restaurant, mm-hmm. but I'm just using Mississippi ingredients, basically, you know, I mean, or my mentality of, of growing up on a farm, mm-hmm. okra and collards and, you know, I mean, we butchered our rabbits, we butchered our chickens, we, everything, I mean, we, we were a, a farm, you know, where we survived off of, um, just mm-hmm. scratching the dirt and living off of that, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you had a restaurant that was more like a coastal seafood place in Los Osos at one time.
2: Yeah, Mara Blue, and mm-hmm. uh, I had a partner with that. Uh, I knew I couldn't do it by myself. This is so much that goes on. In, there's so much more than cooking to opening a restaurant, you know what I mean? <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I had a partner in that, and then we, um, we did really well. And, uh, but I, it wasn't enough for both of us to survive one restaurant to feed two families, so... Uh, I sold my half, and then we were bought this little building that was here, and then w- we built onto it, and, uh, and here we are today. But, yeah, that was more of a uh, Mara Blue was something I had in my mind for years because I love the name. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, I wanted it to be, and, you know, Mara Blue is like ocean blue mm-hmm. in Italian. So French and Italian are very similar uh, food, cuisines, you know. But, um, yeah, so that was my little thing of having an Italian restaurant and, and then it, I don't think it lasted too much longer after we left, but it's sad because it was really cool. People, yeah. I just remember there was a
0: lot of press around how much yeah. people loved it.
2: Yeah. Well, we did, re- we were really lucky.
0: Yeah. Well, so when you saw this building, this building, it's so easy to pass and not notice. How did you notice it?
2: Well, actually, we used to go to the lake quite a bit and we wanted out of, of that because uh, it wasn't our style, you know what I mean? Uh, it was. A, I'm not into rap music at all, and, you know, everybody was, like, into rap and stuff, and I I hate being mean and say, turn the radio off or whatever, and I said, let's go somewhere and play our music, Mm -hmm. do our thing, even though I love Dino, and I love, you know, I love all that music, the rap pack, and, but, Mm -hmm. but this is, like, my music, you know, I mean, and the music meant more to me than anything else in this town... It just seemed like a place where we could do it, and we didn't think we'd be busy. We were just family when we opened. Mm -hmm. We did seventy people the first night, and I was like, "Oh my god, holy Toledo!" Yeah, I was like, "What? Oh no!" (laughs) So only the
0: four of you, or maybe even just the three. No, I had one guy.
2: I had one guy uh, that was helping me, uh, like was my sous chef, Manny. He moved to Mexico. But we didn't even have a dish machine then. My son was probably about fourteen. He was just doing all the dishes by hand <laughs> in the sink, and and then she was probably you know running bread and stuff. Yeah. And even my youngest, Audrey was uh, was a part of it. So I mean, yeah, it's it's been a family uh, affair for sure. So you, you know. have
0: three three kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. Three Every chill. time I ask, it keeps growing. <laughs> I, I just keep missing it. Okay. So how old is Audrey now?
2: Audrey is what she's uh, twenty four.
0: Okay. And where is she?
2: She's in Pasadena right now because she's uh, she's doing some music of her own. She d- has she her own uh, music she's working on. Okay. Uh, not the same as Jade's. It's different kind of music. It's more of a, um, what would you call it, like techno? or? Mm,
3: I don't know. It's really cool. She's very secretive. She's one of those people that's so talented and so gifted and like has so much to offer, but she doesn't put it in anyone's face it's more like Mm -hmm. you'll turn the corner and all of a sudden she's singing this song that's like the best song you've ever heard but she'd never show it to you so she's been in Pasadena working Um, I think what happened is she just put some songs on SoundCloud for fun and somebody her and I both went to CalArts I went Mm -hmm. for music she went for painting Mm -hmm. Um, and somebody from her school added some beats to one of her kind of folk style songs and it really hit. I mean, right, it sounded it really good. And all of a sudden I was like, i want to introduce you to everyone that I know. I want to help you. And I think that gave her a little bit of fire. And she's since been working on a project in Pasadena and we've yet to hear it. We've heard bits and pieces of it, but we're really excited to see what she comes up with. But um, her main trade, I guess you would say is she's a painter and her mm-hmm. art gallery is actually at Rosalina. So Rosalina doubles oh as gosh. her art gallery. Yeah. Oh. Gosh, it's such a
0: family affair.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh, word. Okay. And then your son is in the kitchen. You said something
0: about yeah, when you're done.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, I had I had a back surgery, so I've been kind of, you know, you usually work seventy hours a week or whatever. But I I I I was out of it for four months, and my son handled it with the good crew we have, of course. Yeah. But so I just figured uh, i I'm, I'm not the same as I used to be. I'm not as strong as I used to be. So. Uh, basically we're handing it over to him and just uh and just slowly kind of backing out of the situation he's still doing the bills and mm-hmm. you know helping with the orders and 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 kind of like helping through but but the majority of uh, um it will be him you know mm-hmm. i mean he went to the best school that's a, the best cooking school in the whole world people from other countries come to that same school and he got to graduate from there and um we're really proud of him and he's doing a great job
0: did he go to hyde park the cia yeah, hyde he went park? to hyde
2: park but then he finished his last year in, in napa so he got to do right both on. schools it was really cool
0: that's so, you must be so proud. Yeah, yeah, That's totally. Amazing. You have a lot to be proud of, all three of your kids.
2: Yeah, I'm, 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 uh, someone up there loves us, you know.
0: Yeah. Do you both play music? Lindsay, do you play? Not at all.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I buy guitars, but I don't know how to play them. I'm <laughs> <know>. a collector.
0: <laughs> I know other people like that. Actually, Jensen Lorenzen is one. He, I may be insulting him, but he has a. I remember he has a guitar hanging in his house. I was like, oh, do you play? And he's like. No, I kind of look at it. It's kind of pretty. You two worked together at one point.
2: Yeah, yeah. I worked with Jensen at Mara Blue, yep. and uh, he was a great, uh, great guy. And, and
1: uh, Did he start when he was 18 or yeah, teenager? Yeah, yeah, he was young. still just
2: getting out of high school, and, uh, and he moved up the ranks, and he became sous chef you know, there at, at Mara Blue, and then by then I had, had to leave, but I really uh, uh, appreciate all the effort and, and the hard work he put in. And now look how he's doing great for himself. I see him so in the magazines and yeah. I'm so, I'm really proud of him.
0: Yeah. yeah. He's doing great. Yeah. And that's a family affair too yeah. for him and grace. Okay. So at some point, Jade was singing and you said, um, something great is happening here. How about how old was she? When you started noticing she could be a musician
2: about 13 or 14. Well, by eight years old, well, she was playing the piano Mm -hmm. And uh, we had this old piano that we bought somewhere in, I don't know, the middle of nowhere, in Paso. And we drove it all the way back to Los Osos, where we lived at the time. And and, uh, she took lessons, and and her teacher would use her, because the kids are shy, so when we'd play at the church that they would use her to start it out to get the other kids go jade can do it i can do it so Mm -hmm. basically jade would be always the first one to do the recital and then the other kids would go okay i'll do it you know (laughs) but they used her and she's just been a ham ever since you just knew it (laughs) yeah just she's a ham totally
1: well, first her grandma bought her a synthesizer, one of those, just those little toys.
0: Nice, yes. And
1: she, she was in love with that movie Titanic. I don't know, she was like a kindergarten. Mm. And one day we came in the living room and she was playing the Titanic just like off her head. Right. So we're like, well, she needs lessons. And then Marion Kaiser in Los Sosos, her teacher, piano teacher for all those years, was like, well, wait till after first grade because it'll mix up with the reading. Mm. And um, yeah, she just, Jade just always had it in her. Yeah. And then when she started uh, writing her own songs and stuff, when we moved here Jeff talked to the owners of the porch and said "Can she sit there and play on Sundays mm-hmm. and they let her so every Sunday Jeff would take her over there and she'd play for a few hours. Doesn't
0: that say something about this community too though being small being intimate it's
1: the best
0: yeah. that you can say hey my I don't know 13 14 year old can she come and play
2: that's yeah. pretty cool. That's but great. she could write and I knew that right away and like even when she was in second grade she wrote a story in her and their teacher wouldn't enter it in the, in the thing because they thought that we had written it. That's no way, <laughs> oh. that way that made me so angry. That, that no way a second grader could have written that, and then just, that, was, that was terrible. And I, I was, I'm still angry about that, but yeah but, uh, but she, her ability to write, yeah. and I always think if she wouldn't become a musician, I love Shel Silverstein. You're like, mm. uh, "The Giving Tree is probably my favorite story. And I'm like, well, Jade, if you, don't, if you don't make it in the music industry just write children's books Mm -hmm. you know and and stuff like that she can draw too she could even illustrate it you know what i mean but i cannot
3: uh, draw that no (laughs) i would definitely have my sister do the illustrations or my mom's a painter too she's all quiet over there but she's really quiet and suspect (laughs) she's her and my sister both are just like jack of all trades but Mm. just very humble about it Yeah. yeah do you paint Regularly, like, are you in it now?
0: No,
1: I used to want to. It's wonderful to see my daughter doing it because I yeah. never really have time, you know. But someday when I retire, that's what I want to do.
0: Totally, totally. What, what kind of paints you work in? Watercolor, acrylic.
1: Yeah, Not, I wasn't good with watercolor, but just acrylic and you know, pencil, pen, yeah. charcoal, anything.
0: That's such a. Th- I mean, you talk about Jade's picking up music, Audrey's picking up music. There's there's um, art in the family being able to draw, represent something that you see and and having an ear for music are just things that you're born with. I mean, you obviously can work at them, but there's something that, it's a gifting, you know?
1: Yeah, and I'm a lefty. That's why I could never even try to play a guitar, you know, flipping the strings around and all that. I just gave up, but... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I love art. I'm kind of like a shy person, but Jeff stuck me out here in the dining room. I'm like, no, let me do dishes in the back. I don't want to... You know, I'm not really a people person, but it ended up being really a blessing because I realized how nice people are. Yeah. And, it, you know, it cheers me up to come to work and to have all these happy people celebrating their birthdays or whatever. Yeah,
0: totally. And, you know, it's funny I, uh, with you, you probably don't even recognize me, but I mean, we've come in several times over the years. And oh, this... I recognize you. Do yeah. you? Okay. Well, it's special here. And what I remember from the early years was coming and you this like beautiful blonde with a perky ponytail behind, I think you used to have like a podium over here (laughs) and these red lips and you were shy. You were, but you were so generous and it worked. It was just fine, you know, and, and you were really sweet. And, um, um, but also there was some spice there. It was both, but anyway, it felt like it was a good fit actually. And I could tell, um, maybe you didn't, Feel like it was a good fit, but it was. Um, so yeah, it's just worked for here, but you're not behind that podium anymore, are you?
1: Not too much. I, we work on Fridays and Saturdays okay. nights, but I've got a great team of waitresses. They're just like the best waitresses you could ever have. They're all a team. They all are good friends, so mm. they cover for each other. And, you know, first I hired one Samadi that lives here, and then she's like, I got this other friend Stacy, and then Stacy knows someone else, so Everyone just gets along so well, it's like that's a little awesome. family out there. Yeah. We, all, we all take care of each other. You know?
2: It's the best I've ever seen, and I've been doing it for 35 years, and yeah. the best. And luckily it's our crew, um, our family, so mm-hmm. it's the best crew I've ever seen.
0: Yeah. But you don't have much turnover through the years. There's no. a lot
1: of the same faces, so that helps too, I'm sure. Yeah, with the pandemic, we had a few changes,, you know? yeah. but basically most of them came back, so that's good. I'm glad you.. Yeah.
0: Let's take a quick detour here to talk about another consumed sponsor. Slow Food Co-op's mission is to empower health and well-being in the community by providing quality groceries, local produce, and exceptional customer service. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining non-GMO standards and a variety of organic selections. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit the Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. So, so Jade, you're playing. You're going to. Did you go to a Tascadero High or Oh No uh, Coastal something like that?
3: I was um, all over the place. So I, I wrote my first song when I was 12, mm-hmm. um, right about 13, and then you know a couple weeks later, by the time I had 10 songs together, is when my dad pushed me over to the porch and had me start performing. And ever since I did that, actually, i I may not have known it then, but while I was playing at the porch a local musician whom you might know, Don Lampson. Yeah, Yeah, so he saw me over there, like I would sit on the couch and stare at the floor and pretend I was reading my lyrics, but really I memorized them, I just didn't want to have to look at people. So I would stare at the floor and he was listening into my songs and he's like, hey, I'm playing here on Friday night, do you want to open for me? Mm -hmm. And so that was the first time I got to perform and sing in a microphone. And after that happened, I was like, this is what I'm doing. Everything else comes second. Like, I told my dad, I was like, I'm going to do this or I'm going to die. Of course, I was dramatic and like a teenager, (laughs) but I still feel that way, you know, and it's been 16, 17 years since then. So um, because of the music drive and passion, um, even though I, I cared about my grades and all that, I just... It, music was number one. So in high school, I started gigging a lot. My dad let me play here at the restaurant every Saturday night, and that was a blessing because people that would come in that worked at wineries in Paso or what have you noticed and said, oh, does your daughter want to come play at our winery? And it kind of started spreading. And I, I played probably every winery venue around here and um but I was also, you know, in high middle school and high school so it was hard to do that and go to school and do the whole social thing and work at the restaurant pretty much full time so I went to a charter school for most of high school. Oh, that I, but yeah. that was a better fit for sure. Yeah, it you know, it it worked out
0: well, and then you wound up being accepted to Cal Arts, which is no small thing.
3: Yeah, no, I so I, I did like a, a year in Atascadero Charter School, and then a year in San Luis. And we grew up without, you know, my parents were really anti-technology, so we never had a computer at home, and I wasn't allowed to take computer classes mm-hmm. or anything like that. But by the time I graduated high school in 2010, all the college. Applications were online. Right. And so I, I really wanted to go to Juilliard. That was my dream, but you had to do it online. And I, I couldn't find anyone to help me. Like even the people at school would just give me a website to go to. I didn't even know what a website was. Mm-hmm. CalArts was the only school that I called and they talked to me and it was audition based. Mm-hmm. So I went down there and did my audition and got accepted and that's where I went. Mm. Yeah.
0: What did you want to do at Juilliard?
3: I just... I mean, like my mom said, I started on piano, and you get something in your head, like I think probably my dad or my grandma was like, that's the best school. And so, of course, that's where I wanted to go. Um, I knew I wanted to be a touring musician, but I've always just been kind of disciplined and hard on myself, and I, I also wanted to have a degree in music, so... No offense, mom and dad, but I, I've been working here since I was 12 as yeah. well. And yeah. I didn't want to, you know, if the music career didn't pan out, I didn't want to be a, a waitress. It's just not my passion. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get a degree in music. And um, and then my junior year of college, um, things started happening in a good way and, and made that a reality to where I could do that as my main job, of course, until the pandemic. But
0: <laughs> what does that mean when you say your junior year? I mean, what was it that... that Changed?
3: Well, I, you know, college was my plan B. So if the music didn't pan out, I'd have a job in music education or like in a production studio or something. Um, So that was my plan B. But my plan A was, you know, to tour and have a band. And in my junior year of college, I got a call from my now producer and friend, uh, Mike Ness, Mm -hmm. who had heard me perform at Kreutzberg in San Luis Mm -hmm. from a video clip his wife took. And um, he he took me under his wing and just helped me re- the, meet the right people and believed in me enough to get give me my start.
0: And if people don't recognize his name, what would they know from him?
3: Um, he's the lead singer of Social Distortion. Okay. Yeah, and okay. he's 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 amazing, and he's done a lot of touring. And and once we got our album together, he took us on the road with him, opening for Social D. and um, Yeah, I owe a lot to him for sure, but I wouldn't have had the opportunity if I, you know, if the porch didn't let me play, and then if Don Lampson didn't let me, and if my dad didn't let me play, you know, so it it really is a thank you to the community for Mm -hmm. accepting me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Something I like about your story, because I know you're just all over the place. You're all over, at least all over Europe, but have you gone to like, to other continents with...
3: No, we've done, well, we've done Europe and Canada okay. a few times. That's it so far. Um, but it's extensive, I know. It's a lot. It's a lot, yeah. yeah. We were pleasantly surprised when we toured in Europe because when we headlined in America during that time before we went to Europe for the first time, we are playing really small clubs and bars like in Kansas or Mississippi, you know, places that we aren't well-known. We play tiny little places, so we thought, oh, when we go to Europe, it's going to be even smaller venues. <laughs> But we got picked up at the airport in like a Mercedes Sprinter van and had a tour manager for the first time and we're selling out these little clubs in Europe. It was the craziest thing. My band and I were just like wide eyed, like there's no way. And everyone was singing our songs. There's definitely an Americana niche in Europe, in France, uh, Germany, you know, we've we've never played in Italy, but uh, London. That there's a little there's a little Americana cult following and that's where our record got funneled into genre wise so we had a nice fan base out that there so fun and is that how you
0: would define it Americana
3: i I'm really not into genres I I just don't believe in them as a songwriter I feel like I just write for the sake of the song and not for where it's going to be played. But that's definitely where the label pushed our record and and where we got the most radio play and stuff is outlaw country and Americana stuff. Yeah.
0: I worked at boo-boos for, um, I, I went to college. I went actually really close to Hyde park. I was in Poughkeepsie, um, and thought that I would get a job immediately. I majored in music and art and I was just so sure. And I ended up, moving to a bunch of different cities and running out of money. And I moved back in with my parents in Napomo and I was working at Rosa's at night, tending bar and then working at boo-boos during the day. And I only bring this up because filing CDs, cause that's what I was selling. Um, the, you had to choose what genre you were going to, I mean, you can't have a non genre. They, it just wasn't possible. And I remember some of these, I feel like a lot of artists, um, they do get pigeonholed, but somehow that kind of helps because suddenly it's like, well, this they are rock or they are rockabilly or they are jazz or rap or whatever. Um, I think a lot of artists get a little lost in there because they don't fit perfectly um, pigeonholed. Have you ever experienced anything like that?
3: I have um, a few friends that, you know, they get signed to a major record label as you know, a country artist. And then the record label puts number of hundreds of thousands of dollars into their record and they create the record and it's them and it's what they want. And they have the budget to do it and they love it. And then the record label goes, Oh, this isn't country. And we were marketing you as country before. So now we're going to shelve your record Mm. and you're not going to be able to do anything until your contracts up. It's a crazy industry. I'm, I'm, you know, I've only been signed in, in the industry for six years before that. I just did everything by myself. Um, and I'm still learning. Every day I learn. I have a really great management team and a really good team around me, but it's just, it blows my mind sometimes. And I, I never thought about the, from a, somebody who works at a record store's yeah, the point of user, view, yeah. yeah, of where to put the CDs. But that's, I mean, that kind of makes me feel better about it. That's kind of cool. But it's so yeah. different
0: now. I mean, it's so completely different now. I remember working at the record store. Our main concern was that people were going to copy CDs And try to return them. I mean, we're talking, this is like a million years ago, it feels like. Um, Now, it's just a matter of, can we get people to buy CDs at all? Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't even know how filing, you know, how, how digital filing works. But it's a weird, it's already a weird industry. And then with technological changes, especially for somebody who had no... Technological upbringing, which P.S. I fully respect and am behind, (laughs) and I've never seen any anybody take it. I just am so pleased to see that this is the culture of your home. This is the culture of the restaurant, and how um, you don't need a website to succeed. You know that's been true. Am I saying anything?
2: No, we like the old ways. Yeah. They've Uh, never
3: even been on a computer. They've never used a computer in their lives. It's crazy. Right.
2: (laughs) It's not where I'm at. It does nothing for me. Yeah. I can't pull it like a weed. I can't, you know, I can't catch it like a fish. It it does nothing for me. So there's just nothing there for me. And my wife, I don't know how it ended up that we met because she's the same way, you know. It's awesome. We we like outdoors and we like like the old ways. Yeah. And, And I don't. We're not grasping onto the new. We're just kind of, it's getting It started getting off
1: with the microwaves when they came out. And people were like, you need a microwave. I'm like, no, I don't want a microwave. So no microwave. That's where it started. And then came to cell phones and computers. Yeah. They actually make my head kind of fizzy. They Just like microwaves, they, they kind of scare me. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I think I'm really sensitive to that. So that was yeah. one of my reasons.
0: I mean... Is it out of the realm of possibility that these things are making us sick? I mean, it's, I, and look, I'm, she said into a microphone, I have a phone, I have all of the stuff, but, um, these are waves that go into us and I wouldn't be surprised if, if it caused something down the road. Well,
2: look at the bees, you know what I mean? Yeah. The lack of bees. Well, they, no one can keep bees anymore because that's, yeah. I don't know that it's proven or it's just, you know, hype, yeah. but I, I don't know, uh. I don't know. I don't believe in it. I, I don't yeah. think we need it. We didn't need it before. You know mm. what I mean? What, what I, I think how you make money these days is is invent something that someone doesn't need, mm. and then sell it like hell. Mm. And and that's how people are making fortunes. You know, because people now people can't eat. They don't buy groceries, but they still pay their cell phone bill. It's like it doesn't make any sense to me. Your kids are hungry, and you're on your all you care about is your dang cell phone or whatnot. It's like it, mm. no it, food first. You know, it's like yeah. that. I think the world's just gone backwards, you know what I mean?
0: I don't think anybody would argue with you. That's the hard part, though, is you've stuck to it, and all the rest of us have have been left behind in a lot of ways. Um, well, it's getting harder. I yeah. mean, uh, yeah.
2: no one wants now, they need an email for every single thing. I say, look, man, I don't got a cell phone, so I don't got a computer, so... You're going to have to do snail mail if you want to get a hold of me. And, and uh, the government's starting to want all their stuff like that. And mm-hmm. the government wants a lot. So, mm-hmm. so basically, I don't know. It's getting hard yeah. only just to give the government what they want or, or, or stuff like that. But, I mean, we don't need it. Yeah. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, you know? That's why our son's taking over a lot. He's like, uh, oh, Shane, can you deal with this for us? Yeah. You know. Yeah, because you do
0: now have an Instagram account. I know. And
1: and I thought that maybe that
0: started because of the pandemic and getting to-go orders and things like that. Yeah,
3: you and Shane put that together, right, Jade? Actually, my brother and his wife, Jessie, um, they're more tech savvy than me. They they just put it up real quick just so people could have, you know, we we were updating the menus almost every day when we were, you know, during that time. And so we would upload them onto Instagram Mm -hmm. and I took it over for... A couple of weeks and tried to make it more cute or whatever, but I'm just I'm so busy myself that I just yeah. handed it back down to Shane and Jesse, uh, my brother and his wife, and then um, now we're so busy. We, <laughs> I don't know if anyone's really even been on it because we're so busy anyways. We can't do any more people. <laughs> That's so
0: great to hear, though. I was gonna that was one of my next questions: is how's it going since we are back opened up somewhat in f- from COVID?
1: It's actually better because we do reservations now, which we never wanted to do but it's actually better because you know you can thin it out so not everybody's coming at the same time Hmm. so it's it's still crazy because we booked too many reservations yeah and this kitchen's so small but at least it's paced out you know which before it'd just be everyone coming in at six o'clock yeah the social
2: distancing's kind of helped us because the kitchen is tiny we put we put a lot of food out of that little tiny kitchen and it's too many people sometimes but the social distancing is uh it's we do less people than we did in the past, mm-hmm. but you know how many you're going to do. So you cut the staff back. So it, it all pans out the same, except for you're not going to have a heart attack every night. You yeah. know what I mean? Instead you kind of just mellow. It's like, boom, boom. You just work through it instead of like, bam, there's 80, 80 people's worth of tickets hanging at one time. And, yeah. and then just like, you know, you just, just scrambling to get it out. And then, and then it, you know, slowly tapers off. But, but this, this is, Actually, I mean, it's a terrible thing, this COVID, but mm-hmm. in, in a way it's kind of, it's, it helped out a little bit. It's you had its mean? yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I think that's, that's true for everybody. Um, it, to some degree, for sure. And you're not the first restaurant I've heard to say that, that things actually, people who didn't take reservations before Ember down in AG, they didn't. And now they do. And they're finding that it helps with pacing and, um, mm-hmm. and space and spacing all that.
2: people apart, you know?
0: Yeah a huge part of your lives and your business is uh, music as you mentioned and uh, if you've never been to the range um you can come and see all of the the old LP covers on the wall um we've always loved that there was one that you had it was a text yeah Tex Ritter hillbilly heaven I had that <laughs> growing up um so where does the love of you know Johnny Cash Merle Haggard Tex Ritter where does that come from?
2: Well, my dad had one record, and it was it was a uh, it was Johnny Cash record. the The record wasn't in there, but we for some reason we had the sleeve, and uh, uh, and my mom's record was she had one record too. It was the cha, learn the cha cha or something. It was a blue record. I, I used to love it too. But but uh, I just grew up in on a farm, and I, the country music it it, it it's my life. Growing up with nothing, and, and country music is basically like poverty-driven music and heartbreak and all the real things in life, you know, and, and it's just the way I grew up. Everything that, every country song, not, not, not modern country at all, there's nothing, uh, I, I dislike modern country. I was going to ask if yeah. that goes all the way up. Uh, Dwight Yoakam is about as far as it came, and George Strait, yeah. he put some great ones out, But but everything... I like everything older than that, and it's just because they're, they're basically saying my life, you know, like Dolly Parton wrote uh, anything at all is more than we had in the good old days when times were bad, and mm. that basically was my life, you know, and, and I can just grab, sad music makes me work harder for some reason, mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. I, I hear Jolly umbop, and I'm like, uh and I hear something sad, and I just, I just get pissed off inside, and I work better, faster, yeah. harder, you know, it's yeah. like, I'm just weird that way. I don't know. It's the blues, though, isn't yeah. it? I mean, it's the blues. That's yeah. what it is. Maybe it's the uh, you know, uh, yeah, just different blues. You know, a mm-hmm. different style. But you know, it all started with um, oh, I can't think of his name, Jimmy Rogers. You know, and that was basically the blues. And and you know, I think he was a start of country music. And but I, Johnny Cash definitely was my um, idol, and Elvis, of course. But mm-hmm. but I just grew up. I was weird. I was weird. I was playing. Glenn Campbell in high school and stuff, and people are like, "What the hell?" And I'm like, "Dude, we gotta listen to it, man. Listen to the words, you know, you know." And then like, well, "This guy's lost it," you know. But that's just the way I've been. And and Tanya, uh, uh, Tammy Wynette of all female singers, my favorite. And then, mm-hmm. and when I met her, I I made her listen to it, and it was kind of a test. If she likes it, she's a keeper, and you know, if she don't, over
1: Glenn Campbell and you know? Johnny Cash, I'm like, "What is this?" <laughs> oh, you were. You weren't
0: already a fan.
1: No, we were actually like into punk music. We would yep. go to shows all the time and and then he brings over this I never heard of Johnny Cash or Glenn Campbell. I was like, what is this music? you know? But it grew on me real yeah. quick, you know. Yeah. But
2: punk, I used to go to the punk shows too, because I was like a rockabilly kid. And uh, but punk is basically country music. It's the same. It's poverty driven, mm. you know, uh, you know, the depressed, the pushed down, the the, the, the the Lost, you know, or something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like uh, poverty-driven music I, is my favorite music. Oh, gosh, I, I don't want that skippity doo da stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I do like that, and I understand that, and people like that, and it makes them feel good, and I'm not trying to take it away from them, but yeah. for me, I like the stuff that, that reminds me of my past and yeah, stuff, you know? Yeah,
0: well, and so a lot of that comes through in what Jade is playing. I, You played, didn't you open for like Merle Haggard or something? There's some crazy thing where... You were opening for some country musician or like a country western musician. Do I have that right?
3: Yeah. I well, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with Santa Margarita, it's um, you know in the heart of the central coast, and there was I don't know if it is any longer, but there was a venue um, out on the fifty eight called the Pozo Saloon. It's still there. And uh, yeah, so a lot of the big country acts would go in and play there, and like I was saying earlier, when I would play on the patio, some of the customers would be like, Oh, have your daughter come play at the winery or what or whatnot but the guy whose mom I think he co-owned it with his mom, Levi, who owned the Pozo Saloon. Yeah, they they saw me playing when I was sixteen, I was on the patio, and they said, Do you want to come open for the Charlie Daniels band? We need an opener. So that was my first big show. Right you know. And um and then he asked me back again for Dwight Yoakum and for Merle Haggard and for I opened for Social Distortion out there and you know, a handful of, of country artists out there, kind of just as the first act that went on before, you know, the crowd showed up, but still it meant a yeah. lot to me.
0: Oh, for <laughs> sure. But you made a leap there from Charlie Daniels yes. and Merle Haggard to social distortion. It gave
3: me a clear vision of where I wanted to go mm-hmm. and what I wanted to do. Um, and that it was maybe, po- I was close enough that I could kind of taste it in a way. So that kind of fired me up a lot and gave me fuel to move forward. Yeah, for sure. So something that
0: I love about your scenario is that you are, you know, a signed working musician, touring musician, and when you're home, you're working here. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Is that kind of unusual for... I I just... There's something I love about that that's so... You're very authentic.
3: Well, thank you. Well, you know, even, even though I had been performing for a decade before I was signed. How I understand it is getting a record deal is like any other business, unless you have a hit song takes about 12 years before you start Mm. making money before then everything goes back into the pot. Yeah. And so I've been investing, you know, what I make in music back into my music, whether it's an instrument or Mm. paying for, for my band or, you know, that, that sort of thing. So, rent and toothpaste and food and all that that's come from what I make here at the restaurant and I feel so lucky to have this job because I would leave for a tour for eight weeks and come back for two weeks and then be gone for three weeks and in those two weeks that I was home I was automatically plugged into a great job yep and I I feel for other musicians my drummer included he'd have to quit and then you know and then try and get rehired somewhere like that he worked at the sock drawer and he worked at shamisol and he worked here and he worked there and I just felt so blessed that I was able to just, Mom, I'm coming home. I'm going to be there for four days. Can I waitress all four nights? And, yeah, it's you're tired, and most musicians who've, quote, made it, they get home and they sleep and they do yoga, but I didn't have that luxury. I still don't have that luxury. Someday I will if I keep working hard, but I'm really lucky that I have this place um, right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the restaurant is far more than a restaurant. Um, I think to this town as well now with Rosalina, um, it's been an anchor for... The- Santa Margarita, but it's also, you know, made, we were just talking about the evilness of cell phones and <laughs> mine is going off and I'm so embarrassed and I'm so sorry. Um, okay, good. Something about, uh, it's amazing that, um, you know, the restaurant has enabled your kids in many ways to, to have lives that they want but I'm thinking in particular about Jade, the fact that she can come home, she can work, she can go off. She picks up right where she left off. It's been a venue. Um, I think we all want a legacy like that. I think we all want something that's more than just a business. Do you feel that?
2: yeah totally. This restaurant has fed a lot of families, and it 's got given a lot of opportunity to my children mm-hmm. so i 'm blessed i i mean i couldn 't be more blessed of a person uh, I, I count my blessings every day you know mm-hmm. uh, it 's hard work and all that stuff but but yeah this this it 's given us a lot of who've come to the door and 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 uh and listened to Jade or picked up her cd it's helped a little a little a little you know mm-hmm. and then and, and same with my youngest daughter audrey across the street that restaurant but there's still a restaurant mm-hmm. and they see her pictures and and it, it's growing and and my son he chose to do what i'm doing and uh i i i, I kind of feel sorry for him you know but but uh, but the girls are going off in a different direction they're not sticking with the restaurant business why do you feel sorry for him it's a it's a hard life you know mm-hmm. i mean it, yeah. it uh well, I mean, cooking's one thing, and I love it, you know, cooking. Mm-hmm. But there's so much more to a, to a restaurant than cooking. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, cooking's just it's, it's important, of course, you know. But there's a there, there's you know, there's there's bills, and there's the roofs leaking, and there's mm-hmm. well, if, I guess if we didn't own the building, it would be a lot less because I could call the landlord and say, hey, you know, but I'm you know, we're pulling weeds, we're we're I mean. We, there's a lot to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: And we haven't even talked about your food. <laughs> How did this happen? Here we are 45 minutes into it. But I do want to just say, so, so you did talk about having kind of a Mississippi kick on the food. Um, you do have a lot of like, you have that wonderful chicken and then you have that coffee-crusted ribeye, which I know you don't do anymore. Or does it kind of come and
2: go? It's back. Oh, is it? It's back. And that's something that I just uh, stole from the uh, whole scene in uh, uh, Oregon, I uh, can't think of the name of the town, but it's a coffee town, and, yeah. and I was like, well, I'll yeah, just try that, you know what I mean? And, and everything, I, I read a lot. Mm-hmm. She hates my books. They they're, take <laughs> half of our room. But I read a lot, and I try to keep up on what's going on, mm-hmm. and it always falls back to the same old thing, just uh, basically country-style food and, and um, French food's country food, you know, and and, uh, we don't do the, we don't get into the molecular whatnot, because I don't believe it's food. I mean, because Nabisco and and Kellogg's and Kraft have been doing that for already for like 70 years. I mean, they act like it's the new thing, but no, all these companies that can and freeze and they've been doing it, all this molecular stuff, and I'm like, you know, I like to just cook the steak. We don't sous vide, we don't, you know, it's just old school. You know, the little pat of butter in there, brown it off. You know, I just like, just the old, the way I was taught. And yeah. I, I like it that way. You
0: and know. you don't do Santa Maria style barbecue. You don't have big open pit with no, red we
2: don't, but I do smoke a lot. I'm into the smoker, and I've always wanted to a big smoker, but I, I, I have a, you know, a decent-sized smoker. Someday I'll want it. I would like to make my own bacon and that kind yeah. of I love that kind of thing. But, uh, no, we don't do Santa Maria. We don't do tri-tip. But I I've tried to. tip's a great piece of meat, you yes, know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and you go anywhere else in the country, they don't know what it is. It's top mm-hmm. sirloin, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, uh, but no, I don't do that. It's, it's overdone. I, yeah. I try to veer away from the things that are overdone because you can get that anywhere. I try to give people things that they, you can't get anywhere else, mm-hmm. you know? And I like to shove them the music down their throat and they don't even know it. And that's the <laughs> beauty of it all. That's the biggest thing for me.
3: Yeah, yeah,
0: I love it. Well, if you're open to it, do you also do desserts, Jeff? Yes, we you're do. The, you're the the one who does the desserts. Well, originally. I used
2: to be, but no, like like uh, no, I'm starting to train people and, okay. and realizing that you know I'm getting older. I, I just can't I just can't work like I used to. Yeah. You know what I mean. But you didn't have a pastry chef. You no, we that. never had a pastry okay. chef. No, I just things. Uh, we we do have uh, quite a few lots that where we grow. Yeah, I still the farm is in my blood. Mm-hmm. So I mean, i I would still be a farmer if it was profitable. You know what I mean, but uh, it's it's not, and uh, well, if you have to pay for water, for sure not. But I do. We do have like uh, twenty fruit trees in our yard, our, and then behind my son's house, I have another thirty fruit trees. I have rhubarb. We grow chai. We grow all the herbs that you see. We grow all the flowers that are on the salads. Uh, I, I that's my love. That's you know, and uh, I just and she's in there pulling weeds with me yesterday. You know what I mean? In my garden at home, and and uh, I just. And then we're starting to re- recycle our, our, our greens and stuff now. We have uh, composters, and, yeah, right uh, which I love doing. I, I do it at home, but now we're starting to do it here at the restaurant. And th- that's my. And then the RO water, you know, for every glass you drink, you, you lose three. So now mm-hmm. we're using that RO water to, for the garden in the back. So that's the flowers that you get on your salad. So nice. we're kind of. I married a vegetarian, so she kind of turned me into a hippie, kind of, you know.
1: Are you a vegetarian? <laughs> well, she was. I was for 30 years. Okay. But he, when we first opened this restaurant, I had a little too much wine one night and I had been craving meat and really? he him and my son were sampling like different fillets and I just ate one and I go, "Well, I got it out of my system." And then I never did get it out of my system. I crave meat now. So Isn't that funny? Yeah. But I care. That's why a lot of the things are like free range and stuff because I'm like, "Don't buy the tortured animals, mm-hmm. you know. Get the Mary's chicken and get, you know, get the lamb or, you know, yeah. I'm, that's why I don't like the ribeye." Yeah. I like the grass-fed beef, but the customers really don't as much, you know, got to yeah. give the people what they want to.
0: Yep, I know. The idea of, of grass-fed beef is so wonderful, but a lot of people, when it gets down to it, they want corn-fed. Yeah. They want the marble. and Yeah. 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 Well, um, I was coming around to the fact that I had a goober pie here once that was amazing. I don't know if you're willing to share that recipe sometime, but I'm sure my listeners we would We changed love it to hillbilly it. heaven because people uh, were
2: freaking yeah, out. Yeah, they, they didn't like that I called it goober pie. But goober's a peanut in Georgia. That's what I'm thinking of, I was of, in the Army yeah. in Georgia, and they called them goobers. And, uh, yeah, so I made goober pie. And, and I just basically took the idea of pecan pie, and then I wanted chocolate in it. It was an elvis kind of thing going on. We did banana ice cream because that was one of Elvis's favorites. And, and, and then... And then I just put chocolate into a, a pecan kind of – I changed it around. I did it a 100 times before I was happy with it. But now we do it with uh, walnuts or pecans, you mm-hmm. know. And, and, but I like the pe- – personally, I like the goober pie, but I got yeah. uh, kicked out. So. Shut down. <laughs> yeah. <right.
0: laughs> well, I ask everybody at the end of um, <clears throat> a conversation to tell me if you knew it was your last day and you wanted to celebrate your life in a happy way. Uh, what would you eat and who would you be with?
3: It's hard to spring that on someone all of a sudden. (laughs) I would have my parents, even though they worked so much and so hard, like my dad says he works a lot, but really ever since we moved here, he's here at eight in the morning starting the stock and then he's doing, you know, it's, it's crazy. I think, Watching his worth et- ethic have, has definitely prepared me for the music industry, which is also a hard mm-hmm. avenue, but definitely an inspiration on how hard he works. But he'd also still, on his days off, create this huge feast for the family, you oh, know, on, every home? single day off. So we'd have family dinner, and I would want to have family dinner with my family. That's what I would do. Yeah. Like when we were little.
2: I think I'd have the same. I'd mm. have family dinner with my family and probably shrimp cocktail.
1: <laughs> oh, that's
2: awesome!
0: That's awesome. That is sickness for shrimp. And we'd yeah. eat
1: it out in the backyard, right? Yeah, yeah. with the chickens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is there a dish here on
0: the menu that you are fond, especially fond of?
1: I'm embarrassed to say, but it's the lamb chops. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, how <laughs> oh, you've changed!
1: <laughs> that's awesome. What about you?
3: Oh my God, everything is so good. Um, I, my mom raised a, the kid us vegetarian. I didn't start eating meat until I was 23. Mm. And so now I've tried all the meat on the menu, and i got to say the lamb chops. Although I tried the brisket the other day for the first time. I hadn't tried it because I'm kind of weird about food and allergies and things. Yeah. But I was starving, and they put out a plate for the servers, and I ate it. And if you haven't had it, that's it was... I was pissed that I hadn't had it before. It was so good. It was so good. Like, everything's good. <laughs> That's awesome. It's nice to hear that you still
0: like the food after all these years, too. Oh,
3: yeah, definitely.
2: Awesome. I, and I'm, I'm really simple. I'd have to say that our garden salad, the best garden salad in the, in the world. And uh, it's really simple. Balsamic vinaigrette, baby greens. and spun beets and carrots. And it's like, it's, like, perfect for me. I'm a light eater. I don't really mm. eat that a lot. I, I usually get my calories from the... Uh, bubbles but uh <laughs> but um our garden salad I, I some, I'm proud of everything I've done because I've tweaked and and came up with most everything hmm. you know I mean of course we do the man salad which is a wedge of course we didn't invent that but the dressing we did and it's different it's not like the store bought one it's yeah. made with onion juice and it's just a different thing you know and, and, and just things that but I'm really I, our garden salad I i I'm really happy with that. It's because anybody can get it, and it's just the simplest thing in the world. But sometimes you get a garden salad it's just boring, and ours yes. is it's bomb.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. You're so lovely. Thank you for giving me your time and, and your vulnerability and all of that. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jayden. Thank, Thank you. you so much. That wraps up another episode of Consumed. If you like what you heard and you think more people should hear it too, please review the podcast wherever you like to listen. Because remember that thing I said about being in the top 40 food and wine podcasts in the U.S.? Yeah, truly, thank you for listening. To learn more about Consumed, to see photos of my guests, and get links to their many projects and businesses, please visit letsgetconsumed.com. As always, special thanks to Chris Lambert, who edits this podcast, even though he's already outrageously busy with lots of other stuff. And thank you to everyone who lets me into their life for an hour each episode. Until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis.